Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Hey, I'm Dave. I'm going to be preaching tonight. I'm usually back with the kids or um, in the kind of behind-the-scenes mode, so today is kind of a first time for me being out preaching. And um, I also want to say that I'm used to teaching kids, so I didn't bring any goldfish or, like, I don't, I don't expect to have to take, like, any some breaks here. But if you need to, that's awesome. But So, uh, yes, he always says goldfish. Um, so when uh, Clayton and Romy asked me to preach, the first thing that popped in my mind was the um, parable of the lost son. And I thought it's, it was right in line with a lot of the things that God and, and the Holy Spirit had been kind of talking to me and sharing with me about through our adoption of Olivia. And I thought, you know, like, oh, I know exactly what this is going to look like, you know. And I started getting into the Word, and it was completely different. And um, so I'm just going to, what I'd like to do is talk about Luke 15 is where this parable is located. I'm going to talk about how we got to Luke 15, how we got to these three parables. And then I'm going to really get into the meat of it. So in Luke 14, Jesus is, is teaching disciples. He's actually, and I'm, from the, I'm in the military, I was in the military, retired. And the, the, the talk that he was giving to these disciples, or, or soon to be or could be disciples at the end of Luke 14, was one of those moments you kind of see in the movies. It was like, look to the left, look to the right. You know, that guy's probably not going to be there. It was a really, it was one of those speeches or one of those teachings that, it, like, gets your attention, and if you're th- in, a, in, in a moment when, like, in the military, when you're thinking about doing something, I went around with the jump score, I went to dive score, I did a couple of different things like that, and there are those moments in the, in the training, and then the training continues, right? And it's kind of a get your mind straight, but the point of that is, is he's talking to potential disciples. And so Luke 15 picks up kind of in that line is he is is he's talking to those people. So if you can give me the first verse on Luke 15, I'll read it here while they're while they're working on it. My son, who I love very much, back back there. So while we're waiting, if you don't know know me, my name is Dave. Um, my beautiful wife Jenna is over there, and we have four sons and a daughter. Um, and we love you guys. We love being a part of this church. We love being here with y'all. So I'm going to read it. I'm in Luke 15:1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So that is, is explaining that the, the, the Pharisees are observing Jesus, talking to these people, and, then, and they're seeing sinners, and they're seeing um, Jesus hang out with them a lot, he's eating with them a lot, and now he's even talking to them about how to be his disciple, right? And so the Pharisees are looking at this, and they've got, a, they've got a perception here, and they begin to mutter between themselves. And then Jesus goes into three parables after that. So Jesus starts into the parable of the lost sheep, where the shepherd goes after the one sheep and leaves the 99, Probably heard of that one before. Then he talks about the parable of the lost coin, where the woman loses the lost coin 
and she goes and she finds it. And she, thanks, guys. And um, she's happy. And in both of those parables, something's lost, something's found. And then that, that, that shepherd or that woman calls friends, calls neighbors, and she throws a party, and it's a big celebration. The difference at the last parable, the parable of the lost son, is there's a really, it's kind of a bad ending. Um, the parable of the lost son has a bad ending because it locates um, these Pharisees. So I'm going to uh, talk a bit about that. So just help me out here. Make sure I stay on track. So what I would like to do is I'm going to read that parable, the parable of lost son. Like I said, I do kids' church, so I'm used to reading a lot, and it gets the kids all nice and calm down. So feel free to just kind of fall into the parable. Um, think about it. And when I read it, I want you to, um, you know, I want you to, I don't have it up because it's a lot of words, but I want to read it, and I just want you to kind of, like I said, fall into it and really focus on the Father in this one. So as you hear about the Father, I want you to, I want you to like, hear what he's hearing, say what, process what he's saying, and then sort of follow what his emotions might be through this whole thing, um, you know, because that's really what we're going to be kind of talking about. So I'm starting off in Luke 15. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeying your orders. You've never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. So I want to I focus for a second on 
Luke 15, 28. And this is the verse where Jesus talks about the older brother. And if we remember back what started these three parables, was it, it was the Pharisees murmuring. And the first two parables, Jesus explains that these disciples are those that are lost. So the lost things that are being found are the people that he's discipling, the people he's reaching out. He's, he's already left the nine. God's already left the 99 to get the one. He's already looking for those lost coins. He's already receiving back lost sons. He's doing it right now. And he's explaining this through the parable. And then he's locating these Pharisees. And what the Pharisees are is they're in the church, right? They are in the synagogue. And they are serving. They are being obedient, except for one thing that we haven't talked about yet. And they feel like the party should be for them. They feel like, hey, I'm here in your church every day. And, and the people that you're going out and finding and bringing back in are the people who are actually making my life miserable out there. I come here to, to, to get it back together, to worship you, to get healed and get things like that. And then I go back out and I see your grace and compassion all over the place out there. And I'm mad. And here the, he locates this, this emotion. He says the older brother became angry and refused to go to the party. So I never want to be angry at God for the way the kingdom is set up. So this, this gets to um, something that I know, that since we started the adoption, I've had this real, uh, just Holy Spirit just teaching me about relationship and specifically about being a father. And so I, I got permission from David to tell this story. A couple of you might know, a couple of years ago, David got in a little bit of trouble, and he was immediately expelled from school. And it wasn't even that big of a deal, but in today's day and age, it was one of those things, right? And so we had, to, we had to go through a little bit of thing, right? And so he's a great kid. He just made a mistake, and we make fun of him now for it. But um, I called all my friends because we were going to go to this board where uh, we had to sit in front of the principal or the vice principal of the school and an actual executive from the, the Virginia Beach School on Laskin Road. We get dressed up, suit and tie. I call all my friends that I know that have anything to do with executives of school boards, and I know exactly what we have to say, right? I know this is the strategy, right? And I go to Jenna, and I'm like, all right, Jenna, this is what we have to communicate to the board. These are all the things that they need to hear. And David is cool as a cucumber. He's going through it great. We get to the, we get to the board, and, the, and, the, and they're very gracious. They're very nice. And they ask David, what happened? And David just very humbly and authentically said he was sorry, and he walked through the story, and he just kind of let it out. And I was just like, wow, you know? And, and I just wasn't really that mad at him to begin with, but in that moment, I'm just like, wow, he just, that just is like resonating, you know? And then they looked at Jenna, and Jenna was like, boom, she said exactly what we, what we strategized. She was like, boom, boom, it was beautiful. I was like, wow, that was so good. What she just said, I was like, and then they got to me, and I couldn't talk. I was like, and I just said, 
I'm so proud of him. You know, I just, I just said, I'm so, and nobody that I talked to said, go in there and tell him how proud you are of him. That's all I could get out. It's like he, he just kind of just repented right there. He just said, I'm sorry. And he was like authentic. And he's like, I just didn't mean, I didn't know. And, 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 this, and when they saw me, and, and I'm sure they were just confused. You know, they're like, I, what is going on? But it was just a beautiful meeting. It was beautiful. And we left there, and David got to just go back to school, right? And it never really happens like that. And then he's, you know, he's doing great stuff. And so the point of that story is that the relationship with the father is different than the relationship of, a, of, of your employer or a hired servant. And what this, what this older son got confused was is he began to think that, hey, I'm doing good. I should get something back in return, commensurate with my effort and work. Very contractual, very um, legalistic, right? We kind of say legalistic. But, but the point was is that he was beginning to feel like when the party starts, it should start here, right? The party should start right here because I'm the one putting out all this work. I'm the one doing all this hard stuff. And what the father is doing, and he's pleading with him in verse 28, is he's pleading with him. And then if you go to verse, the next one, guys, if you go to Luke 15, 31 to 32, I'll read it here. It says, my son, there is, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So the, keep going back, you're breaking my thunder right there. There you go, okay, thanks. So, um, so what the older son, you know, he felt like he was being obedient, but he was missing the, the, the greatest commandment. But what the father is explaining to this older son is the way the kingdom works, right? The kingdom doesn't work like your employer works. The kingdom doesn't work like maybe agreements or contracts you have. The, employ- the, the kingdom works like your family should work. You know, it works like he's your father and you already have everything that he has. It's already accessible. It's already there for you. So you're not, you don't need to like work hard so that you can get access to God. And when God's throwing a party, it's not like it's not for you. It's, it's because he found somebody that was lost and he's bringing them back. And personally, I deal with this at work. My wife, unfortunately, has to deal with the, my anger sometimes about it, but I have to deal with it. You know, I can see God's grace and compassion on people that I look and I go, wait a second, like, I don't get that, right? And as I studied this word, it really had to, lo- it located me for a second, you know? I mean, I've, I've, I've said, that's right, I've actually been, maybe not mad at God, but confused a little bit, you know, when I see God going after lost people and him grabbing lost people and showing them grace and mercy and then parties. And then I'm like, God, you know that I'm like, like, over, you know what I mean? And then you, but it's easy to get that thought. It's easy to get that feeling of, hey, here's the party. But God, like I said, God's already out there. He's already out there doing it. So, and I can't, I can't peruse over this. Mark 12, so you guys can put that up. Just quickly, I'm just going to read this out. 
Mark 12, this is the, the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So you just got to keep coming back to that. Keep coming back to that greatest commandment, even when you're confused, even when you don't understand, to come back to that. And as I got to the end of this study, I thought, Lord, there's got to be something else. Like, you know, the, this, this makes sense. I, I understand it, I think. But, you know, I feel like there's, there's a bit more to this. And so I prayed about it. And I remembered back to um, actually another kids' church thing that we did. The kids love the story of the Sumerian woman at the well, like just reading it and hearing it. They just love hearing it. And I read about it. We've drawn it on the board a lot. And it, maybe it's just because it, I, I do it a lot, but maybe it's because the Holy Spirit dropped it in. But I began to, to restudy John 4. So I'm going to go to John 4. John 4, anytime, I'm passing over it constantly, okay. John 4, 27. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about this, this story as we get to, to sort of describe. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But what's going on is Samaria, this takes place in Samaria in a town called Sychar, and there's a well. Joseph built this well. There's a rift between the Jews and the Sumerians. And this is a big deal. The rift exists today, actually. Like, this is not a small thing. And it's not because Samaria is a bunch of, a bunch of sinners. It's actually because they're very religious. Like, Samaria is a very religious place. And they have a very serious claim to worship God on a specific mountain. And, and it's not in line with the Jews. So the Jews and the, and the Sumerians don't get along for that very specific reason. And they, they walk around each other. They just avoid each other, right? And so Jesus is moving through Samaria, and he decides to stop at this well. And as he's at this well, he's tired. And he's, he's like, I just want to sit and chill out. And he, the disciples go and get him food in the town. So as the disciples run town getting him food, this woman walks up to the well. And if you read, I've heard teachings and different scholars, this woman is, is in the, at the well at the middle of the day, and we learn through the, through the interaction with Jesus that she's a sinner. And, and in, in a town, in a, in a region like Samaria, she would be considered a, a sinner, right? She wouldn't have had sort of a high standing, which is kind of why she might be out there in the middle of the day, not in the cool of the day with everybody else, right? And so Jesus is talking to her, and now you have this scene for an observer, right? Jesus at a well with a woman who's a sinner, middle of the day. It's a setup, right? Well, then, then come the disciples. So the disciples are coming, coming down the road. And you guys can pop that verse back up. So this is where the disciples, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? So I use a King James Version here, um, what I just read. That's, uh, that's Jonah, guys. Go back one more. John 4, 27. Well, they're getting there. So I, I reread this a couple times, and I went back to the King James, because I understand that King James is the most literal translation that you can find in English text, right? So you go to King James, you get the most literal words and, and 
they try to get the meanings. And so in the King James, that word, I'm going to focus on that word marvel. So when upon, upon his disciples seeing Jesus, they marveled that he talked with the woman, yet nobody said, who are you or, or why are you talking with her? So if you look that word up, marveled, in the original text, the, uh, this is in Greek, in original text, here's the definition. It's admire, have an admiration, marvel, wonder. So let's think back to, the, to the, what the, think back to what the Pharisees saw. The Pharisees are murmuring and they're angry. And these disciples are admiring him. And these aren't, dis- these is very early in the story. This is very early in Jesus' ministry. This is not, this is John 4, right? This is not very far along. These guys are probably on their first trip with him. They're probably tired. They're moving around. They probably haven't slept. They probably want to, I mean, you, you're on your way home, and now Jesus is about to make a pit stop for two days, right? And they're just in admiration. It's like a totally different world, right? They're admiring him for what he's doing, and they're Jews. What's the difference? I was like, what's the, what is the difference between these disciples, these young disciples that have not even been on the road with him, maybe one trip, and these Pharisees who have been in the synagogue for years, and they teach the Bible, the Torah? It's like, oh, they're not even in the same universe, right? And you just, just like let that sink in. And I know that, like when, when my wife Jenna, when she does, she does things that cause me to admire her. And a lot of times when that, when she does that, it's not something that you can articulate. It's not, it's not like you say, "Wow, I really admired what you just did." You know, you just, it's one of those moments where you just go, oh. and you just kind of let it sit, and you don't know what to say. You just kind of let it fall in, and then in that moment. Those moments kind of draw you in deeper, right? And they draw you in deeper, and they draw you in deeper. All these, little, all these moments where you look and you go, oh, my gosh, did you see that? You know, and it just pops you down a little bit deeper, and it pops you down a little bit deeper. As the, as the disciples come in, coming down the road, they see Jesus, and they just, boom, they just admire him. They're like, you are doing what we know should be done. You are talking to people that we know needed to be reached. You are you are." doing things in our hearts we know need to happen. And you think, how did Jesus pick these people, right? Like I haven't discovered yet. Hopefully one day I'll learn more about this, but I haven't discovered yet what made Jesus pick the disciples. Like what, what drew him to that person to say, come with me? What drew him to that person to say, come with me? But I do know that from the Bible that God sees our hearts. So I know that God sees our hearts. So God saw them doing this before they did it. You know, like God saw their admiration before he said, come on. He saw their hearts. And maybe it's something about a sinner's heart. that lets you have admiration 
when God reaches other sinners. Maybe it's, maybe it's that, maybe it's that I recognize that I'm nobody. That when he when he does it to somebody else, he go, man, that guy needed it too. Right? And it's not that heart that says, that should have been for me. You know? It's that heart that says, man, he needed that. Wow, she needed that. Wow, that region really needs Jesus. After Jesus met with this woman, she went back into the town. And the disciples of Jesus spent two more days in that town. You can imagine, this is like, I could draw parallels today. It, it would be very radical. But I just want to say that you all are the disciples that God has chosen. Like, you're sitting in here today, and he, it's not because of how awesome or you guys are all awesome, but it's, it's like it's not because we're so good or because we work so hard or because we are so um, obedient, right? God chose you because of your heart. He chose you because of your heart. And when, when the enemy tells you that you're no good, that you can't measure up, and when you realize, you go, I made mistake after mistake after mistake. I made mistake after mistake after mistake. What the world am I up here preaching for right now? The world would say, you shouldn't be up there. You should not be up there. You don't deserve to be up there. You don't deserve to be talking to people about God. You don't. That's the world. It's, it's not that way with their father. Your father's like, I know your heart, Brent. I chose you because of that heart. It's beating blood red. And you admire when I go out and I reach somebody else. So I had one more story, but I think it landed. Um, I just want to pray for now. We pray. So just pray with me. Lord, I pray that you keep our hearts repentant. Lord, I pray that you keep our hearts soft and pure. And I pray that we, that we are best protected from the lies and from our own just bad negative thoughts when we are completely submitted to your love. And understand that you are a father that loves us. We are sons and daughters. And we are your disciples because you've chosen us. You see what other people can't see and never will see, Lord. You've already seen it. You've already seen what we're going to do that's great for you. You saw it in our heart. And I love you for it, Lord. And I pray that everybody in here gets that. And, Lord, that they just protected in that knowledge, in that love of you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.